Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that come out this week, and we're going to kick it off with a big one, Infinite Frontier, number zero from DC Comics. Nice, simple lineup of names here, so let's go through it. Written by Joshua Williamson, James Tyner IV, Scott Snyder, Brian Michael Bendis, Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, Joel Jones, Tim Sheridan, Philip Kennedy Johnson, Jeff Johns, and Jeffrey Thorne. Art by David Marquez, Jorge Jimenez, Aletha Martinez, Mark Morales, Joel Jones, Stephen Byrne, Rafa Sandoval, Jody, oh, there we go, Jordi Tarragona, Jamal <laughs> Eichel, Alex Believe, Todd Dock, Dexter Soy, Howard Porter, John Romita Sr., and Klaus Jansen. Now, this is your requisite post-event check-in with the entire DC Universe. What's going on? What's happening with everybody? What's everybody's new status quo now that the continuity has changed? So we kind of know how this one goes, but the framing here is that Wonder Wonder Woman has maybe ascended to be a higher being. She's trying to decide about that. And so she's taking a look in on the new state of the multiverse post Dark Knight's death metal. How'd you feel about this book? How'd you feel about the status quo? What jumped out at you? Um, For me, uh, I, I thought the bat cycle was sick. Um, cool Green Lanterns thing um, and I love the last page but what is happening now with DC? Wait, what do you mean, Pete? Well, like we were really enjoying these DC kind of what-if books or like, you know uh, and now it's just all over and well, and so all- uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson when he was on the show talked about this a little bit he said that the future state things are and they talk about this in this book as a bit as well, but not as explicitly, that they're a possible future or a possible futures. These are places the continuity may be going or may not, but they're not ignoring them. And you can see that a little bit in the Batman story that teases yeah. the magistrate storyline that plays later in the stack podcast. We're going to be talking about Batman 106, where that plays in a big way. But that's what we're getting here is these new status quo, these new setups. Uh, they might head towards these disasters that we've seen in Future State, but also maybe not. We'll have to see what happens. And I really like that. I like the confidence um, with which DC moved forward through Future State and into this, where it's like, okay, all that stuff happened, um, you read it, and then we're not going to dance around it. We're just going to jump into the books, and we're going to start to pepper those things in, those things that we like, those things Maybe, in. though. I, I appreciate that, though. It really. Why f- do you appreciate that? Because they're saying we we may do something that you've really enjoyed. We may not. Go fuck yourself. I, I love that. I like, I really? enjoyed what we saw. 
And then if they, I very much enjoyed it, but I would like to know if I'm going to get some of it or not. Well, then you continue being a fan. I think is the real okay. like if you keep talking about the things that you loved, I think they will do those things, and the things that people didn't like, they won't do those things. And we, you we heard get, it here first, true believer. You're going to have to check in every week to find out what the adventures of your favorite superheroes are going to turn out good, bad, or something in between. Excelsior. I can't. Mr. Magoo? Just imagine me, Mr. Magoo. Imagine (laughs) the DC Universe. Future State. All I'm... All I see is the lost DVD thing, and I, I don't hear anything you're saying because I'm just focused on the lost DVD. Here's the here's the big up. twist, Pete. That lost DVD thing behind mm-hmm. me has been here the whole time. Wow. I don't know if that's a direct quote that's from not Lost, true. but even if it's not, I don't want to hear it. Uh, <laughs> I like um, the Batman stuff I think is really fun here. It, it's interesting that Grifter is now just like, Fully part of the Bat Universe. Uh, the Bat Universe feels very large right now. Yes. Um, and well, and you get to see more of that in Batman 106 as well. It's a big cast, but I, I agree with you. I like how James Tynan is playing with it. I like the potential threat of the Magistrate. I love the reveal at the end here really? of what Scarecrow looks like right now. Yeah. That's pretty terrifying. What's up, Pete? So you guys are just okay with the fact that like we just got two months of amazing stories, and now like. Eh, Done. Maybe we're going to do us, something. They told us that's exactly what was happening. Going you in. can tell us that, but then when you fall in love with it as you're reading it and buying these, and then have it maybe show up or maybe be taken away. This is the just... same thing that happened to you with Titania when you went to Europe, Pete. It was supposed to be two months, and then you were like, okay, let's head home, baby. And she's like, no, I live here. I cannot come with you, Pete. Did you say Titania? Titania. Come oh. on, you know the name of your ex-girlfriend, Titania, who you met in Belgium. Yeah, sure. Titania. Famous, famously Famous. non, famously <laughs> real person's name. <laughs> Read a little Midsummer Night's Dream over there? I don't know. Oh, man. I I liked the, I'm curious what Green Lantern's going to do. They introduced the Teen Lantern here, which... Okay, uh, a little up in the air there. Flash really puts a flag in. Like we're doing, we're fully back to Wally West as the main Flash, which Alex you must love. Great. Uh, feeling a little conflicted after the past couple of years of storyline there, but I will say one thing that I was very happy about was Jeff Johns and Ted Doc back on Stargirl. They've been going yeah. all in on that since the series came back. They're going to do another story, I think, coming up, another comic. That's great. It's just fun. They capture the tone perfectly. I'm really enjoying it. And I really like what they do here, setting up Pat as connected to the Seven Soldiers of Victory, which is something from the TV show, so the, where they're doing the very smart thing of creating stories that work in the DC continuity, also work for fans of the TV show. I think that's very a nice thing to do. How hyped were you when Darkseid's knee-high boot slammed on the Spectre's head? Uh, spoiler, dude. Jesus. Okay, so let's talk about the end of the book. Always great to see John Romita Sr. and Klaus Jensen's art on stuff. That's yes. awesome. Agreed. Who, uh, who cares about Dark Side? <laughs> to be totally what are you talking about? about it. There's been so many Dark Side stories. Like, I appreciate the idea that, like, there's we're a ton it of back Joker to stories. It's Dark Side versus the whole DC universe. None of this crazy perpetuous stuff. We're just going to clean it up. It's just going to be a slam bang slam fest. Let's have a little bit of a fun time here, guys. 
that's great. But at the same time, I've read so many stories of Darkseid versus the DC Universe. If he had been away for a while, that would be a different thing. But we've had so much Darkseid in different iterations. He's been on a Justice League team. His daughter has been hanging around. If it was a character that was gone for a while, I feel like the impact would have been much greater. Uh, but as is, I was like, all right, this is very nice art. Happy to read this. I'm sure this will be fun. But this is not the cliffhanger I think it was meant to be. Oh, I completely disagree. I was so happy to see Darkseid at the end of it because I was just... It, first off, it's a zero issue, so fuck you for putting all that shit in a zero issue. Fuck you! That is not a zero issue. There is so much important shit that happens in that issue. It's unbelievable. Oh, I thought you were going to drop a beat, drop a little uh, uh, rhyme there. It was, spam. It was a spam phone put it call. in a zero issue... <laughs> Don't, don't blow be the, it in don't a be tissue. The, please don't be the white guy beatboxing and trying to <laughs> rhyme. That's just awful. I mean, I Stop think, it. I think, that was, I think that was really good. No. <laughs> I, in, in all this madness to see Darkseed, I was like, yes. Okay, now we can get to a storyline. I understand what's happening here. I don't know why there's all this other madness going on, but I can understand this. So... I, I felt really good about that ending, and it got me excited to read the first issue. What the fuck? Does Darkseid always look like he's crumbling to you guys? I feel like he's like a gritty sidewalk. He's like concrete that's like slowly just like crumbling out. Like he needs a good moisturizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think that's how we to stop all him? need a good Send moisturizer? Him for a spa day? Uh, yeah, like a, a solid um, like pressure washer would really take him down, I feel like. No, man. <laughs> just give him a cream called the pro-life equation. It'll just mm. really smooth him out. Let's move on and talk about America Chavez, made in the USA, number one from Marvel, written by Clint Vasquez, art yeah. by Carlos Gomez. Uh, so this is, of course, bringing back a solo title for America Chavez. It is revamping her origin quite a bit, adding some new details, some new threats. What do you think about this book? I like this. I, America Chavez is such a like unique. Her power set is so weird, uh, and so I I like. And her origin is so specific with her coming from another uh, Earth and sort of wandering into our world, and then most recently on the Avengers West Coast team. Like, uh, very fun. I, I think this book's great. Uh, yeah, I agree. I really thought this was a fantastic first issue. Get you excited for this world and what's going on. I really like the character. Um, I also super nice of her in the middle of a mole battle to answer questions from somebody with just a camera that like an old camera and even like a cell phone. So I was uh, very impressed with her and how she handles herself. Um, yeah, I think they did a great job of getting me excited for more. I think this was a really solid first issue. Love the art, love the writing. It probably helps that this starts out in Los Angeles, but it definitely feels of a piece with the work that Kelly Thompson did on the West Coast Avengers title, on the Hawkeye title as well. You got a Kate Bishop cameo in here, but it moves yeah. off into its own thing, but it has that sense of fun, that sense of weirdness. Uh, it's great. I really enjoyed this book quite a bit. Let's move on to the book that we talked about a little bit earlier, or at least teased a little bit earlier, Batman number 106 from DC Comics, written by James Tynan IV and Joshua Williamson, art by Jorge Jimenez and Gleb Menikov. Uh, this is the new status quo for Gotham City. Batman 
chilling out in a basement with Ghostmaker fighting crime until some new and old villains are coming for him and things are tightening quite a bit. Uh, this is, I thought, great. Yeah, I agree. Pete, you I have really a question, like... though. You raised yeah, your hand. I just, yeah, I just, you, you know, you love, uh, uh, you know, a good kind of like commercial in the middle of the comic. So I was just wondering what you thought of the... Oracle eating uh, Ruffalo's. Uh, I thought that was a nice nod to Mark Ruffalo, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, you know, sadly died be... and was made into potato chips. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. Tra- tragic. I'm just wondering because you love when they change the, you know, instead of Ruffles, the, you know, so they were cute with that. I'm just wondering. Usually, you you enjoy that, so I was just wondering. Yeah, I wish there was a little bit of a Hulk crunch on there. That would have really kind of mm-hmm. nailed it. But I guess wrong universe. You can't Hard really to do, do that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that was my big takeaway for the book as well. So thank you, Pete. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool to see Batman working with Oracle. Um, I it just she's super cash that she can like fight crime and eat chips. I mean, that's pretty awesome. But it was also interesting uh, this Ghostmaker and Batman dynamic. Um, you know, to see how kind of like casual they are sometimes is a little jarring, but it's fun. It's a, it's a new uh, kind of dynamic. Um, and I like the kind of like new villain who didn't get the reveal out before they got punched in the face was cool. Um, yeah, I think uh, the demon detective is fun. So it should be, it should be interesting to see how this kind of all, uh, unfolds. So uh, I'm in. Yeah. And the way that they, this spins directly out of the future state stuff to have um, the this villain, uh, this scientist setting up the magistrate program that they really used a ton in the future state, but never really resolved. Um, so I think that's cool. And we get to see that sort of build up. I do miss I, I think it's strange that Ghostmaker is replacing Robin, basically. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. a weird way. Um, we get a Robin backup here in this issue, which I also thought was oh, cool. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Now, after you've had a long day of fighting crime, do you go home and spar with your buddy? I'd take. I'd be like, "Come on, man, let's take." Sure. It. If you're a chef, you're cooking all day, and then you go home and you eat. Same thing. <laughs> cooking and eating is actually a very two very different processes. No, but I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, Maybe a I, chef goes home and orders food because he's so tired of cooking. Yeah. We've talked about this quite a bit, but James Tynan's run has sort of had these weird stops and starts. It's been so good across the board, but it was supposed to be a very short storyline. Then it got expanded. Then it got interrupted by the future state and Dark Knight's death metal stuff. So this feels like a new, fresh start for him, and I'm really hoping this time it gets to be whatever ongoing story he wants to tell because he's such a good storyteller. Um, I don't want to see another event come in or another switch or something like that. I want to see what is the long form story that James Tynan has to tell on Batman. Yeah. I was uh, very like confused because the Batman one was the first time I saw the cover and I was just like, what happened? What happened to the last event? Like I was, the cover was, I was just like, what is going on? So Glad we got it in, in the zero issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to something you probably liked, Pete. Demon Days X-Men number one from Marvel Comics. Story yes. and art by Peach Momoko. Uh, this is a, a very different take on the X-Men. What do you think, Pete? You like this book? Well, yes, I did very much. The Huge art- X-Men fan, Pete LePage. 
Uh, normally, yes. Um, the art is absolutely glorious. It is just almost like a painting here. I'm a sucker for watercolors. I just love it. The character designs are so cool and unique. It's got this kind of like a old style uh, meets new. I- I'm very, very much into this. It was really cool. And the wolf uh, is Wolverine named Logan. I-, I was I was in it to win it. And they really delivered on this first issue. I, I I agree. The art is very it's really beautiful here. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting for an X Men book to have Venom be the mm-hmm. sort of villain and um, Hulk sort of be here. Um, is yeah, what I took uh, the the big red dude to be two two characters in Marvel. So yeah, but I don't know if <laughs> you've followed the X Men really, but they're traditionally not associated with them. Well, that was the thing that was confusing sure. to me. I read this book, and not once did any island fuck another island. So I, no. it didn't feel like an X Men book to me. To be honest, I think it was yeah. implied that Japan was uh, fucking what? Um, uh, another uh, the Philippines. What yeah. other island? Uh, I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to name a neighboring uh, island. Uh, yeah, because you know yeah. the islands don't travel to fuck. They fuck yeah. the neighboring. I can island. picture the maps you we got in your head, and it's just Japan, and there's nothing <laughs> yeah, around. Not big, ocean. A lot of nothing. ocean. Uh, There you go. Yes, very good book. Let's move on and talk about Suicide Squad, number one from DC Comics, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Eduardo Pensica. This is bringing in a little bit of the upcoming movie with Peacemaker. The thing that I thought was kind of fascinating about this, we didn't talk about this. This happens in Infinite Frontier, number zero, continues in the Batman issue, but big event Pretty much everybody in Arkham Asylum is killed seemingly by Joker gas. Turns out later it's actually the Scarecrow sort of faking Joker gas, uh, including most of the inmates, including potentially Bane, among other folks. Uh, But this Suicide Squad issue takes place the same time as that. They're trying to break Talon out of Arkham Asylum when the gas comes, uh, and that's what we're playing with here. Uh, I like this. I thought Robbie Thompson writes a good Suicide Squad. I think the danger is there, the unnecessary deaths are there, so it hits all the bases, and Eduardo Pensica's art uh, is real good. I can't believe we lost Film Freak so early on in his career. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I thought this was a really great issue, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, the movie will be just as enjoyable. Uh, It's fun because uh, all the Peacemaker dialogue, in my head it was John Cena speaking those lines. Uh, I didn't like the uh, Superboy reveal. Did not like that. That was scary. I thought it a really great <laughs> ending. And then it was also weird how Waller was like, I'm tired of losing. Well, um, she loses a lot. She loses a lot. I, yeah, I well, love the the shot of um, the page of Superboy. It was great, I thought. The uh, kryptonite shackles and the like. Yeah, green, it made uh, me sad. Sad. It is sad because Superboy's a hero and he's in, in yeah. trapped. Yeah, yeah sorry not, about that, Pete. I good. hope you get past that. Let's talk about Wiccan and Hulkling, King in Black, number one from Marvel, written by T.D. Howard, art by Luciano Vecchio. This is following up on the Empire event. They are married now. They're ruling space. And, of course, some goop dra- dragons bash their way into their honeymoon, and they have to deal with that. Uh, lots of fun stuff in here. I always like a good Wiccan and Hulkling book, and I think T.D. Howard captures their voices quite well. Yeah, and this book, I, I liked that this was just like a fun book. It wasn't like trying yeah. to do a bunch of stuff. It was like, 
okay, we've seen, we know where these these two characters are, but we haven't actually seen them be married and be uh, ruling. So let's just do that and have it be a, a fun uh, tie-in. And I think it was very successful at that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, uh, the lightheartedness uh, added to this big kind of uh, uh, King and Black event was really cool. Um, I really love the interaction of like the uh, the guy who's like holding up the little orb and and, and st- there are a lot of really cool moments, fun little moments. I also like how when they get the robot present, they think it's just a champagne delivering robot, which is yeah. just a fun thing. Uh, yeah, and then just to see them together is great. I I think this is just. The art's fantastic. There's a, just enough action to balance with fun and give us uh, some good relationship moments. This is just a great book from start to finish. You kind of know what you're going to get a little bit, and they really deliver on it and don't let you down. I was I was very happy with this book. Next up, The Swamp Thing, number one from DC Comics, written by Ram V, art by Mike Perkins. This is a new Swamp Thing with a new MO, new villains, new weirdness, same old horror. Justin, same old plant plant guy. Uh, Uh, And we should mention on the Future State beat, this is the team that wrote the Swamp Thing Future State book that was so excellent. Here they're dealing with an entirely different Swamp Thing, entirely different story. Uh, But I think if you like that and that book was great, it was very exciting to see them taking on this one as well. Yeah, I agree. The the Future State book was very like sort of clinical, like it got into some – it was about Swamp Thing sort of building his children and how he did it in this future Earth. And this brings some of that clinical uh, wraparound to this series. And then we just get into some brand new characters, some mythology building. I think it's the same sort of green versus the rot situation in a good way. But a brand new character who's Swamp Thing, we don't he doesn't seem aware of that he is Swamp Thing. And we're getting that sort of slowly told over the course of this first issue. Really nice art. Um, it reminds this book reminded me of uh, early Starman, uh, both in sort of the Ooh, really? the writing and the uh, the art style. So I'm here for uh, it. A couple couple things, uh, Justin, if you don't mind. Uh, since uh, I d- you, I you... do mind. So let's just do one thing from you, Pete. Oh, okay. Possibly. All right. Great. Great. Um, so like, if it's just one thing, I guess I'll just pick the. It starts off with like a plane being grabbed out of the sky by a giant let's say beanstalk like mm. that's really high up i mean that no, i mean no, no, grab no, no. a plane okay so the, the guy sky, I can mean, i can like, i clarify this one i'm talking to justin oh okay <laughs> i'm having a conversation with justin he's a swamp thing expert trying to get some clarification here um are you familiar with um no go one, ahead. one of the other major beanstalk storylines jack and the, jack versus beanstalk Right, right. I'm very uh, familiar. That beanstalk very, went very high up. It went so high up, there were giants living there. Yeah, so, that's bean, why I thought, that's why I said be, beanstalk, because that's the only thing that I know that's that could reach a plane in the sky. There are big, tall, terrible giants in the sky. That's true. <laughs> that's the point Alex wanted to make. Yeah. Alex, not a very religious, but he does believe that giants dominate, live in the sky in the clouds. Listen, on that man, top of clouds. The lyrics I know from Into the Woods, I say out loud whatever I can. Uh, no, that was not a beanstalk, Pete. The new swap thing was riding on a plane. He was having nightmares. And in his nightmare, he pictured himself exploding into plants out of the plane. Not a beanstalk yeah. rising to the plane. I thought. I thought. No, it, but then, it was reaching it, out to like, grab basically, the plane swamp thing powers exploded outwards while he was still on the plane, caused it to break. 
fantastically drawn panel. I love that. So terrifying. But it turns out he's just having a nightmare there. Oh, okay. He's right, made so, a, he's made of plants though. Yeah. All right. So question number two then will be for both of you guys, since you both okay. seem to be experts. Okay. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons I had to move out of New York City is because anytime you're walking in Central Park, there's always people popping out of the trees. And at first I thought it was like a Kibril elves. Just when the elves got too big, they got kicked out of the trees. Yes. But this it turns all, out it's Swamp Thing. This all checks um, out so far. Yeah. Yeah. I just... Uh, that part, the 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 book to me was real a lot creepier and scarier than I was ready for. Uh, I'm just wondering, did, uh, did, have you guys in Central Park seen the people popping out or the people popping in the park? People popping in the park. Let me yeah. say, Pete, I feel like so you wanted a book that was more focused on beans and elves, and this book uh, just didn't really have that for you. Well, no, I mean Swamp Thing can be kind of a horror story type of thing, but there's also a lot of uh, uh, great stories that Swamp Thing does, where it's got a little heart, a little love, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff in it. But I was just, they went, they went straight kind of horror for this issue. So well, I was a little, I, I think they're going to back. We once we get to know the character, I think they'll find the heart there. Um, and uh, the Swamp Thing also great history of horror. Have you guys yeah. ever grown beans? <laughs> no, yeah. but I will say that when you're walking out and somebody pops out, that happened to be one time, but he showed me things, many beautiful things. That I hadn't thought to explore. One hundred percent. Let's let that hang in the air for a little bit longer. <laughs> nice, Pete. Any other questions? Nope, nope. No, thank you for feeling those. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. Let's move on to talk about Noctera number one from Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel. Now, we had Scott on the live show a couple of weeks back to talk about this very book. He teased it. It's all about a post-apocalyptic girl- world post-apocalyptic world uh, that where there's no sun and a girl who lives in it who used to be blind that is now the only one who can lead them. I'm just a post-apocalyptic girl living in a post-apocalyptic world, Alex. When yeah. will you understand that? <laughs> uh, I thought this was great. This is uh, Scott Snyder's big, wild storytelling matched with Tony S. Daniel superhero art. There's, uh, I love... The idea of a post-apocalyptic world where it's 13 years later and people are like, time to dress crazy now. Let's do this. I, I can't wait for the apocalypse when it's like, all what? right, now you can wear lights on your head and stuff. Like, get loose with your fashion. We're living in an apocalypse right now, and I'm dressed the same as I always am. Oh, exactly. You're not, you're not taking advantage. I'm not. I'll Would tell you, guys- you uh, the the... Truck lights in this is amazing. I hope that catches on and truckers start like really lighting up their trucks like that. So that's magical. Yeah. When will the truckers catch on? Uh, I like this book a lot. Um, Really fun world that's created here. Scary. Um, You really you ride along with your this our main character here and really feel for her. It's fun. Yeah. Art's great. Uh, really think it's like a, a very interesting, cool story, and they do such a great job of getting you kind of excited for this world and trying to figure out all the things that have gone wrong. A lot of really cool, interesting moments. I did want her to look a little bit more like a trucker uh, and less like a superhero, but that whatever, you know, that's cool. No, but I think that's what you do with Tony S. Daniel. He's an amazing superhero artist, so you lead into that and you get wild designs and you give people superhero costumes and you make that work. Like, it's Scott playing to Tony S. Daniel's strengths the same way that he does to Jock or the same way that they do in Undiscovered Country to Giuseppe 
Kamenkoli, uh, just like leaning into those artists and what they can do and then following this past out. I think that's what works here and it's fun. I don't think I've ever heard anyone utter the phrase, I wish that person looked more like a trucker. And uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> Very rarely said thing. Next up, Crime Syndicate, number one from DC Comics, written by Andy Schmidt, art by Kieran McCallan and Brian Hitch. Here we're getting a semi-satirical look at the Crime Syndicate and their world and how they come together on the newly revamped Earth 3. What do you think about this one? These people love crimes. That's our heroes, but they love crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this didn't really hit for me, to be honest. There's some bits that I liked it at. But maybe maybe you didn't get it, Alex. But it's like the the heroes that you know and love, but mm-hmm. they love crimes. My favorite page is the backup story for which shows uh, I don't remember. Ultraman is that what he's called? The Superman yep. analog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ultraman's origin, and it's a riff off of All Star Superman. And you get the first three panels are kind of the same, and then the last one is uh, it shows the Kents. And it's like deranged psychopaths or something like that. Um, yeah. That's funny. That made me laugh. But then I feel like it didn't quite follow up from there the rest of the story. I wanted to go wilder and darker in this book, personally. Really? Yeah. I thought it was too dark for me. Like seeing a Superman figure, this Ultraman guy, be so douchey and so like the, the abusing his power in such an awful way. It was just so scary and uh, against everything that I want out of a superhero. Like. Throwing a newspaper truck, you know, in a high rise of a skyscraper, like through the office, kind of like glass, just because someone wrote a story about you. Go fuck yourself, you fucking superhero. I have thicker (laughs) skin. Jesus H. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the point of it to kind of just show, uh, you know, how evil and douchey people can be, I guess. But, uh, yeah, for me, it was a little too dark, and I wish they took it back a little bit. So I guess a little different from themselves. Uh, I agree with Alex. I wanted to go further. It felt like it was sort of heading for that tone of, like, a Mark Russell book, but mm-hmm. it doesn't quite go that far with the satire. Um, I did. I agree with you. Also, I did like the backup. Um, felt like a little bit more in that sort of fun, irreverent uh, tone uh, taking on the Superman origin. Let's move on to talk about one that I bet Pete liked. Jonah and the Unpossible yes. Monsters, number one for Oni Press by Chris Samney and Laura Samney. This is a Aww. all just <laughs> title. We're writing a comic book together. Yeah, uh, okay, they've been working together for a while. Um, sure. That's Pete, great. talk about what you liked about this book. First of all, words. Don't need them. This book proves that. A lot of amazing panels with barely any words. Uh, yeah, the art's unbelievable. Love the character design. Such a cool, interesting world. And also kind of a nightmare, I'm sure, for you parents. Uh, two youths over there. That has to be a, like your worst nightmare, you know? You're watching your kid. Then all of a sudden you get uh, taken out, or get a bump on your head. Now you don't know where your kid is. I mean... That has to be like your worst nightmare come true. Uh, But yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. I think it's uh, such a solid first issue. I can't wait to uh, see where this goes. I agree. This was very fun. It reminded me, maybe I have bone brain, uh, given what we've talked about lately, but it reminded me of Jeff Smith's bone. Come on. Everything can't remind you of Jeff Smith's bone. Uh, that's not the times I've mentioned bone in the last couple podcasts we've done have not been because something reminded me of it. Um, and this legitimately does. It has that sort of really smart paneling, uh, good storytelling, like some heart to it. 
I liked it a lot. Uh, yeah, I thought this was really good as well. Just classic storytelling, like you were saying, Pete, from the Samnies. I think they did a great job. If you're looking for something fresh and new, check this out. Next up, Sea of Sorrows, number four from ITW, written by Rich Dueck, art by Alex Cormack. This is continuing a increasingly bloody and deadly mermaid oh, saga. Bunch of folks trapped on a ship. It's like under siege, but with killer mermaids. I think that's a fair way of putting it, right? Ooh, that's nice. Thank when you. does when does she sing part of your world? I just feel like I just don't know how it just work hasn't it come yet. But uh, there's a couple more issues to go in the miniseries, so I'm sure it's coming. Um, I like this book. Um, it is. It's got such a great tone to it. Um, like, I mean, obviously, Under Siege is a, every, a lot of huge fans out there of Under Siege, especially Under yes. Siege Two. Dark Territory? Um, yeah, of course. Oh, my yeah. God. Uh, 100%. Way to drop that. You're a huge train fan, so the fact Are you guys was... talking about fucking Seagal movies over here? Yeah. Specifically Always. Under Siege 2. Oh, now, okay. Alex, when you got into Under Siege 2, did you come at mm-hmm. it as an action movie fan or more about from the, a train fan? who just No, to... I was more of a people popping out of a cake fan. That's kind of where oh, I started with Under on, Siege, man. and then I sort of went from there. Nice. A lot of people so, come to it from that. Yeah, way. you should check out my letterboxed list on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, cake, this cake movies this, with people popping out of kicks. Anyways, back to the comic. Uh, so this is back like never very <laughs> very scary, very intense, and the paneling and just the action and the design of this really does such a great job of like really getting into this frenzied like holy shit, what's going to happen? All these things are kind of happening at once to this ship. And just when you think, like, okay, I got a handle on this, like, evil mermaid, it keeps uh, getting heightened levels and levels of how scary she actually is. Um, Yeah, this is really just a horrifying, amazing comic uh, that really creeps me the fuck out and makes me never want to go on a boat again. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree. It's good horror. When When the mermaid opens her body mouth, um, do you feel like uh, it's very little shop of horrors and perhaps the song coming out of the mouth is some sort of a suddenly Seymour uh, style song? <laughs> <laughs> no, it reminded me a little bit of the end of the first act of Into the Woods when they're saying Into the Woods we have to go. I hate to leave. I have to, though. That That's mostly what it reminded me of. Interesting. Not You're related, like, but um, just always, that's always in my head. Last true. one to talk about the comic book history of animation number four from IDW, written by Fred Van yes. art by Ryan Dunlavy. This is a gimme for Pete because not only is it about the rise of the Studio Ghibli films, it's also about the rise of animation on Saturday mornings with G.I. Joe, with He Man, and the Masters of the Universe. She wrote mm. all of that good stuff. Yeah, As usual, super well written, super fun to read, super informative. This is just a Gem. great book. Yeah, this was, this is, I mean, Fred Van Lente is just knocking it out. It's so informative, and the art is so creative and cool. This really does such a great job of teaching you things about things that you already know and love in such a fun, creative way. I really want this to be like an animated podcast or something. Like, this is just Ooh, so, yes. so cool that I don't want this to stop. I want to learn all things in this format. And I want to learn it from these two. Uh, I was just so impressed by this. I grew up in this time and just kind of like learning all this stuff is really kind of crazy. As a kid, I just 
you know, love Saturday mornings. And uh, yeah, this is just so hilarious. The Superman uh, sitting down at like a Hollywood place with uh, Fred from Scooby-Doo doing the finger guns. Hysterical. I love Skeletor in this. Just so many amazing, cool things. uh, Pete, I I have a question for you, and this is an honest question, given that they do spend a lot of time talking about the very dark side of this. And yeah. the very negative ramifications and reasonings for doing these Saturday morning cartoons, does that color your viewing of them at all? No, I mean, you know, unfortunately, when you learn about things, especially, uh, you know, uh, things that happen, you know, back more in time, it's you're always finding out racist, fucked up bullshit things. So it's, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> that's life. But, you know, um uh, you know, as a kid, those kind of Saturday mornings were amazing. So that doesn't, you know, I, you know, it's hard to go back and watch uh, some of those things because they really don't hold up. But uh, yeah, this didn't. It didn't hurt reading about it and learning about that. Which well, I now, think, now that you're an adult, your Saturday mornings are a fucking nightmare, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to watch your Saturday morning documentaries. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> With a big bowl of cereal and a bunch of serious movies. Uh, here we go. Another murder doc on Netflix. Um, I um what I love what I think Fred Van Lenty um and Ryan Dunlevy do so well is uh they add the little details that you just that are so hard to find. It's so well researched and then well illustrated by Ryan. And yeah. a couple of them that I really liked here were just how Everything was sort of made up on the spot. All these things that feel so important or particular, like Yabba Dabba Doo and the name yeah. of Scooby Doo. And it's just like, oh, hurry up. This is Doo. Name or like, hey, do a f- say Yahoo. And he instead he said Yabba Dabba Doo. And then it became like this super iconic thing. And it just feels like stuff like that doesn't happen anymore in the creative process. Um, so being able to read this and see this is, is so cool. I take offense to that because uh, we usually make stuff up in the moment and it becomes, uh, you know, comedy gold. So I, No, you know. we do, yes. I'm speaking more, I guess, <laughs> on television. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't script Netflix. <laughs> Classic. If you'd like to support our podcast, <laughs> patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club on YouTube, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.